to the Field of 68 Best Bets show presented by Bet Rivers. Oh, we're excited, boys. You know why? Because it's the last day of February, which means tomorrow is March. March Madness is upon us. Conference tournaments start today. We are so stoked. Uh, fellas, I don't want to belabor the weekend too much because Best Bets didn't do too well. But we press forward. We look forward to this week, to the tournaments. Matt, you're back from Florida. You are no longer Matty Naples. You are back to being Matty Chi-Town. Yep. Uh, any takeaways from this weekend? Um, no, I mean, I just you said you don't want to dwell on the weekend, so I won't. I will comment, though, on a general theme of my wagers over the weekend, which I feel like has now been debunked. I played a ton of the motivational situational crap and was just hemorrhaged. Um, it, maybe that stuff doesn't matter. So I, I'm trying to ignore that as we kind of come down the stretch in the conferences that don't start their tournaments until next weekend. These like last, you know, game or two where there's already seating implications already sewn up. I, you can read into it. I'm not going to Jim. Uh, I'm going to start playing exclusively conference tournament games with occasional regular season finales or last or second game, I guess, uh, before the, the postseason begins. So that's my new angle. Um, obviously I'm without my air, pods and i appreciate you jim joining me in the the big old dj behemoth headphones yeah, solidarity with you i wanted to be there with you i guess you gave away what game your best bet's coming from since there's only one conference oh crap today. yeah mm. but we don't know what it is so you know, you know there's still a little lingering tension there uh yeah kind of it, it, we'd be doing not our jobs not doing our jobs if we didn't mention that the six top teams in ap poll lost at least I think two Incredible. of them were underdogs and all of them were on the road and five of them were playing a ranked team. Purdue was playing number 26, Michigan state, others receiving votes. So I, I mean, there's obviously a little bit to take away from that, but I'm not, I'm not panicking. I think those are still like the best teams and just because they all happen to lose on the same day. I don't think we need to re rethink the wheel here. I yep. Agree. Don't know how many times I've said it, but stop overreacting to one game sample sizes. I've seen people write off teams again, again from this, this weekend. This trash. This crazy to trash. Me, we have it's a like, 25 no, game zero. sample size of this team, uh, but let's go forward. We're starting with a doozy. There's probably two doozies. I would say today, maybe three or four semi doozies, but this one qualifies as a doozy. It's Baylor at Texas. I'm going to start off with this, Jim. I'm not sure Texas can beat Baylor. Uh, game one was such a beatdown. Uh, that 17-point win without Cryer. JTT, by the way, played five minutes in that game. So I, I don't think his absence is going to be a big deal. Scored 1.23 points per possession. Who do you like in this game? Baylor. I like Baylor. Great. I think they're better. Uh, they're coming off the big Kansas win, which you know maybe situationally not great, but they're also still in the mix <clears throat> to win the conference championship regular season. Uh, so I, I don't think motivation is any sort of a concern. <clears throat> I also, <clears throat> wow, I am. Wow, Jim's voice. Folks, Dig in, Jim. Dig in, Jim. Is, you're fine. I have no reason for that at all. I'm not it's, sick. It, I didn't it, do anything. It, it's the construction residue, Jim. It's the construction residue kind of pulsing. Dust in the air around, yeah. around the neighborhood right now. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I like Baylor's top seven, even without Cryer, has, has looked really good. They were sensational against Kansas over the weekend. Sohan and Brown were really, really good off. Well, I think Sohan came off the bench. Yeah. Man, I just don't really buy Texas still. I, I know that I don't Mitchell leaving, they've, they've won, I think, three of their past four, but has been the strongest schedule. They've kind of skated by, like at West Virginia, barely skated by. Oklahoma, barely skated by an OT. I think Baylor's just different class, so I lean towards the Bears. Yeah, I mean, the key injury thing here is LJ Cryer, game-time decision, but he's been out since, I think, February 16th, and since Flagler's come back, they've been fine, right, even without JTT. 
Um, I mean, Kendall Brown, I mean, what that dude has blossomed into just a bona fide Swiss army knife. I think he negates the loss of JTT and he's going to rapidly improve just because of a freak athlete he is and all the tools he has. Kind of my only concern from Baylor perspective and for the record, I wholeheartedly endorse Baylor. Um, last game closed plus five and a half. This one's up to, or sorry, up to plus one and a half. Typically you want to see a larger swing. If you want to look at that pure, what did the last game close, which is a typically pretty effective way to look at uh, price fairness, I guess, but I'm kind of overriding that with my, I like Baylor. I don't like Texas. So I stay in with second. Trey Mitchell played in that game. Maybe that matters to you. Yeah. It's part of the, the spread, not being the six gap instead of only four, but. Is it a six gap? Baylor's minus one and a half. Yeah. They, yeah, were, they, minus were, they were minus five, five and a half. half. Yeah. Sorry. I said that the end from Texas's angle. So Texas Kai, was Kai, plus one five and, and, and a half. Five and a half is only four points. The same mm-hmm. plus. Or minus. Okay. I feel like yeah, Kai's not sold right. on this. <laughs> you're right. Baylor's a favorite in both games. You're right. Technically, it should uh, be probably Texas minus one or two, I guess. What's what's going be. on with Kai? Yeah. Kai, figure I, it out. It's math. Whoa, math relax, math. fellas. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, fun just here. So, I'm so confused why you're not, like, you're still skeptical. Hey, well, uh, this, yeah, this I think, he, I think you guys are not thinking about something. Sometimes. But, uh, it trips me up too sometimes. It's tough. Let, it's me, tough. let me just put some pen to paper uh, after the show, and, and I'll think about it. But <laughs> Baylor's my best bet, guys. So let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I, think, I think they're going to kill them. Not, not kill them. I think they're going to they're win. They're going to win uh, by over one and a half points. Uh, Texas couldn't score inside the art class game, 31%. And that was without JTT. Again, he played five minutes in that game. He's not the reason they couldn't score. Uh, I think they can do it again. Baylor's defense is just incredible. And as one of you mentioned, uh, Baylor's still in play for the Big 12 title. It, there's still a chance they can win it. They're still in play for a one seed. Didn't have Cryer in the first game. I'm not sure he, he matters even if he doesn't play in this game because Sohan really did uh, have a fantastic game against Kansas. That impressed me. It's a well-oiled machine versus a work in progress. Um, so my best bet is Baylor minus one and a half. Baylor crushes them on the offensive glass too. Like I think that and, and they did game one. Yeah. 43% of their misses last game. And I, I think that continues. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right. Next game. We were going to start off pretty hot here. Uh, San Diego state at Wyoming, Wyoming, Jim likely in San Diego state right on the cut line, but more likely in currently we would probably say, I have a theory, Jim, Jeff Linder's smart. He knows uh, his metrics aren't, uh, as kind to Wyoming right now as they could be. So he wants to win this game, wants to make a statement. Obviously, SDSU is motivated. Who do you like in this game? I am a cowboy. Let's ride him, folks. I'm with Pat Taylor in the chat. We're locking it down. Wyoming plus two. That's the best bet of the day. Uh, I just, man, San Diego State's good, but are they five or six points better than Wyoming on a neutral court? That's crazy to me. I don't think so. I think Wyoming gets a pretty good home court advantage here. Uh, San Diego State's paper tigers wrong, but I think they're a computer beast and Wyoming's almost the opposite. Mm. Uh, I trust Wyoming a little more in a close game. Matt, I have a little bit of a matchup concern here because Wyoming, they post up more than anybody in the entire country. And I I was looking at this over the weekend. The gap is enormous. The gap between Wyoming post-ups and number two Purdue is the same as number two to 88. Like they're 28% of the possessions are post-up. San Diego State's a really good post-up defense team. But that's first big men. And Maldonado is not a typical post-up threat. Teams just aren't used to guarding a guard down on the block. I think he's going to be a matchup edge. This is the first time they've seen Wyoming this year. I'm on Wyoming plus two, man. I, I love it. Yeah, a lot of parallels for me with the last game we just talked about with Baylor, Texas. Um, 
I'll just bring up the contrarian points again, although just want to reiterate that I am with my guy Jimbo on Wyoming. The, uh, what are they called? The, the Wyoming eight, the, uh, the cowboy eight, that's kind of their new rebranding thing that the tween, the team Twitters keeps going with. Cause they basically, you know, whittle down the rotation to eight dudes and they're all awesome. Um, Brian Dutcher, as Jordan Majeski always points out in his write-ups, a master game prep um, type of dude it can really negate like other good coaching edges as we've seen him do against Nico Medved in Colorado state. Um, swept Wyoming last year, three uh, out of three. Now this is a fundamental. Jim, your yep, hand raised. Jim in the back corner. Yep, go ahead. Uh, the conference tournament was only a three point game. That was the only one that EK was yeah. like, really a part of the rotation. He, he was like just getting his. It was his third and fourth game, the first time they played San Diego State. So yeah, back to good you. point. Back to you. No, that's great. And that was kind of the oh, this EK guy might be awesome. And sure enough, now he's manifested into an absolute stud. Kai, I think the Wyoming thing, just look at what we said in the Colorado State matchup over the weekend. It's like, why is Colorado State laying five and a half, six? I think you look at it the same way with uh, this this spread here. And I know it, the location's different, but similar to what Jim's saying, do we really think that San Diego State's a five and a half point, six point better team on a neutral? And I don't buy it. So, yeah, I'm on the pokes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I number-wise, you have to lean that way, I think. Problem is, I've ne- I haven't seen anybody on San Diego State kind of throws a Concerning, red flag in yeah. there. Uh, number one offense versus number one defense in the Mountain West. In fact, San Diego State's the best defense in the entire country. Um, but Wyoming has a bunch of ball handlers uh, to handle SDSU's pressure. I'm not sure who guards Maldonado, as is the case in most games, but it's not like San Diego State is tiny or, or not strong. I, you know, they have beefy guys, maybe can put up a fight with him if he goes in the post. I think Mintz is a perfect matchup for EK. Um, so that, that's kind of a, a negating factor there if you're San Diego State. Scoring just kind of just a we'll see for the Aztecs. They just kind of have to scrap and hope Matt Bradley's hot. So that's the case. I think obviously Matt, you you know better than I do. Wyoming's home court is fantastic. They're a fantastic home court advantage. So I do think the spread's kind of weird and lean towards Wyoming with you guys. And yeah, early foul trouble could be huge between Mensa and EK. Yeah. Um, Chad Baker has been awesome for San Diego State the last couple of games. I know it's kind of a nitpick role player, but this offense is really, really concentrated in Bradley's creation. So just getting any sort of role player that's going to make shots is pretty huge for them. Uh, all right, next game. Kansas State at Texas Tech. K-State map beat Texas Tech in Manhattan by 11. Super impressive, held Texas Tech to just 0.77 points per possession. But we know Texas Tech is a different animal at home. 14-3 and three against the spread with a plus seven cover margin? Pretty yeah. good. Holy crap. Pretty good. Uh, Matt, did you know K-State's actually 8-3 and three against the spread on the road, though? Does that change your mind and, and put you towards the purple kittens? You know, I'm always tempted to back my purple kittens. Hundred percent chance he's going. But even the chat was like, "Matt's Matt's not doing it though. Kittens. Not doing it." Texas Tech just has been too good at home, and I don't like writing these like situational home court trends exclusively. But just this year's a different beast with how awesome they played there. Um, I guess at this point, the purple kittens are out of the, the tournament picture, right? I mean, lost three straight. They're now 14 and 14. I haven't really looked at the resume as close as you guys have, but 14 and 14 is kind of tough <laughs> to get in. Yeah, right. I, mean, I know overall doesn't really matter, but still, they're, they've yes, kind of like, does. I don't think anybody's gotten an at large less than under 500 or something, less than three games over 500. Maybe okay. one time somebody was two games over 500 and got it. Okay. All that is to say, all that is yeah. to say, I think it plays into the, um, <laughs> I don't know if like the desperation factor really is there for K-State anymore. So um, I don't know, Jim, I would not be as, as tempted as I am to back my purple kins. I'm not doing it. I think 12 and a half is actually a little bit short. I think it should be closer to like 14, just the way wow. the, uh, wow. the Red Raiders have played at home. I actually thought like just numerically, maybe it was a little high, but I was still tempted to back Texas tech because I just think 
the home court advantage is worth like six this year for them. They have, I gave them four and a half, five. Yeah. It's been worth that. Yeah. If they're covering by seven a game in 17 games, that's telling you just a six point home court. Matt, I could justify 10 if I wanted to. Ooh. Clearly, the the line has not factored it in, uh, but I think the one thing from the first matchup I took away it's concerning is is just a matchup issue where Texas Tech's all about taking away the paint. K State's one of the few teams that can actually spread you out, shoot from three. Like they get most of their points from beyond the three point arc. Mm-hmm. I think you need to be able to knock down jump shots against Texas Tech. So Kai, I was a little spooked by that enough to not lay the 12, 12 and a half. Yes, yeah, number one three point attempt rate offense in the Big Twelve. Versus the team that ranks dead last in three point ten percent on defense, right? Packline can shoot over it. Um, K State has shooters. They have ball handlers too, and that also combats the number one turnover rate defense in Texas Tech. So it's almost like K State is, is a better matchup than I would say a lot of teams in the Big Twelve. We saw that by them winning that first game. I do think it's a touch high. Obviously, they're going to play better at home here. I think they're going to win the game, Texas Tech. But twelve and a half, I think about K State. Next game in ACC battle. Syracuse at North Carolina. Jim UNC is back on the path to getting into the dance. They're now third in the ACC, and there is a distant chance at the ACC title still with Duke as the last game of the season. And Syracuse, on the other hand, I would say they're lost without a paddle. Without Jesse Edwards, one and four against the spread. What do you think? Yeah, an already bad defense got a lot worse. Like this, this defense is. Horrific, Matt. You saw Duke light them up this weekend. I think they had 34 points in the first eight minutes. Granted, some of it was hot shooting, but you can get open shots like every time against Syracuse. It seems like they're just counting down the seconds until they can get back on offense, feed one of the Bayheims. I, I don't know, man. UNC was eight and two uh, the last 10 games under Roy against the zone. This is the first time Hubert's seeing it. Yeah, right. So maybe that matters, but it seems like the roster structured well to beat it. They've got shooters they've got skilled bigs that can pass like i think manic is a terrific high post guy for this for this uh offense i'm leaning towards carolina in the over but i haven't actually bet either one yet yeah looking at synergy they grayed out as like very good 76 percentile against the zone this year they've only seen uh what just under 100 possessions so i guess they're a decent sample size but they haven't seen the syracuse zone which is typically a categorically different zone although this version of the syracuse zone is certainly softer than, uh, than what we're used to seeing in the past. All that is to say, I tried to make a zone angle read in this cap and ended up coming away with nothing. I, I do think both teams score at will, efficient, efficiency-wise, Kai. Total's been bet up from 156.5 to one, or sorry, 157.5, so slight wow. steam on the over 157. Does it does feel it? high, right? I thought it got bet down a bit. Okay, maybe I'm looking at uh, in a different uh, offshore bogus opener then. So it's, yeah. what, what, it's, it's around 156. It does feel high given... I mean, this is going to play really fast. Like, I think the zone kind of deflates the tempo from UNC's perspective. Man, I don't know. I think I think UNC's going to score 80 or 90 points tonight. Um, their rebounding is going to crush the zone. They're a good three-point shooting team. They're 38% in the conference. So, basically, if the two things you need to beat the zone, and Syracuse zone, you talked about it, is not very good this year to start with. And on the other end, Syracuse needs to hit shots to score. That They're a jump-shooting team. They can, but, again, they seem like a little bit of a broken team right now with, with no direction here. I would lean towards UNC on the spread. I would lean towards the over as well, because as, as I said, I think UNC scores 80, 90 points. Yeah. Just, just real quick, Kai, three of the last four have gone over for Syracuse. Um, Jesse Edwards has been out for the last five, probably yep. a correlation there. Really they're only true reliable big man inside that can you know, get on the glass. Yeah, probably is. All right. Chat mob round one. Hey, not many games today. I bet we hit every game. Jim, what do we got? 
Uh, yeah, we've got a couple that are already on the outline, so we'll be hitting the only tournament game. It's on the outline, of course. It's the, the only elimination game of the day. Oh, yeah. we, we got Central Connecticut and Fairleigh Dickinson in the outline. Uh, from Lante S and a couple others, New Mexico at Fresno, Kai. Low-scoring battle, maybe. Fresno certainly wants it to be. What do you think? Man, 10 points. I suppose I lean towards Mexico, but I got nothing strong, Jim. Tough board today, in general. Yeah, I, I was – there's a lot of, like – I want to bet the under with this team, but they're playing a very fast squad like Fordham. I want to bet unders and they're playing UMass, who is the worst defensive team in the country. Same with this, this game right here. Uh, Fresno, big under team, but New Mexico is, is trending way the other. Speaking of which, Matt, Ray Reyes, UMass at Fordham. That question or that game was asked about. Do you have any preference on side there? I do. Uh, I saved the chat mob, another loser on my best bet tally because I <laughs> did not take UMass. It was this close to being my chosen one of the day, but then thought to myself, I'm not backing UMass. Um, like Matt McCall has been trying to change some of the starting lineups. He's limited his rotation to eight guys. He said he's trying to it's stoke a fire gym in the minimum, but I, uh, I don't buy it. And Fordham plays hard. I think the price is wrong. I think UMass should be a slight favorite, but I'm not betting on a team that does not play hard against a team that does. Yeah, I think UMass, Matt McCall, dead man walking. Very I, lame ducky. Yeah, so that – if you care about motivational angles at all, I don't think that team gives a crap anymore. Uh, all right. From three men, we've top 10 fan. He mentioned Delaware state and Coppin state. Kai, I think I sent this to you yesterday. It's a stat making the rounds. Yep. Delaware state is nine and one against the spread in their last 10, despite being Oh, and 10 straight up. And their only ATS loss was by one point. They have been feisty. They hang around their double digit dog against a team without Zarzuela. Do they do it again today? Yeah. That's kind of surprising considering, this team is 0-22 against D1 opponents. They're, they're over. They haven't won a game. I thought this team was going to be bad, 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 bad. And I, I was fading him, you know, maybe early on conference play. It wasn't working out too well. Like you said, Jim, they hang around. And Coppin State, certainly the way better team here. But without Sarsuela, possibly, uh, I lean towards Delaware State. Uh, Matt, in your swack, your swack, man. Florida AM at Southern question from Matt Akers here. This seemed a little high, but it has yeah, been bet down. So, so high. It, has it been, been uh, bet down too far for you to bet it now? I would still take, I did not bet it at Florida AM. I'm not going to bet it at this price, but man, I am awfully tempted. I think seven and a half uh, with just how much I respect Robert McCollum as a dog. Uh, I, I think that's the right side here for sure. Uh, Kai, the best bet, I think it's Scott H's best bet is Oregon State. Hosting Washington State, I believe that's what it is. Yeah, you are brave for taking Oregon State, Scott. I I think that team is similarly a little bit dead man walking. What what ha- what they did against UCLA was flat embarrassing. I think they maybe there was some residual effects from the USC effort, but whew, lost by forty, Kai. Oregon State's one and sixteen in the Pac-12. They're three and twenty-four overall, and two hundred forty-first in Gimpum. Hey, you guys remember the media chose them fourth in the Pac-12 preseason? That's the poster child for. Don't anchor to tournament results. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we called that out to begin with. I'm glad they're struggling this much from that standpoint. Uh, I would not take Oregon State. I would probably lean towards Washington State or nothing. Hey, what quick quote from T- Mr. Tinkle, a little bit concerning. This is the only time in my career where I've never had a team come together. We've been throwing curveballs all year. That's on me. And then the article goes on to farther talk about how they were asked about quitting uh, during the second half and the players sort of didn't really refute it that strongly. So, yeah, I, I mean, just does not read well. I think the line sky high, blind sky high, or it's, they got a little healthier last game. I think they got a, a, a T-shape back, but no, I, I wouldn't bet it, man. Yeah. You ever been on a three and 24 team? 
Guess yeah. no, I mean, not. you don't have a lot of motivation. I don't think they, they play again in Pullman on Thursday. So I, I don't know if that factors in at all, but it doesn't really for me. Uh, and then the last question in the chat before we move on back to the outline from Ed Redman, does Norfolk get revenge against North Carolina central? I almost bet NCCU here, but there's injury concerns on both sides. Justin Wright is like by far the most efficient player for NCCU. They need him out there. Pretty poor effort last game without him. And then Norfolk State didn't have Christian Ings, their point guard. So I, there's just a little bit too much uncertainty with that game for me to jump in on the Eagles. All right, Kai, back to you. Back to the outline. All right, fellas, let's go to the Big Ten, where Northwestern is heading to Iowa. And Iowa, Matt, is surging. Hey, they still are just 1-5 and five in Q1. But now 18th in the net, 15th in Kempom. They're 4-2 and two against the spread the last six. And at home, they're 10-6 and six against the spread as a favorite. Northwestern, Matt, do you think they can hang around within double digits? Spread seems kind of high from that perspective. Yeah, it seems high, but I mean, I don't know. I'm tired of fading uh, Iowa at home, it seems like. But the Michigan State game comes to mind. A, a couple other of um, you know games where I feel a little bit jarred. It does feel high, though. I, I think 10.5 is a little bit too rich, Jim. Uh, I say it away. I mean, no really profound takes for me. I mean, you can see a game where this plays really like 90 to 80. I guess I got lean over 151. I think it should be like 155 just off the top of my head. What thoughts? That's something yeah, of value. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't really get much there. No, I think I think you're probably right on over. I mean, Iowa games definitely seem to trend over. Michigan State like rolled over weirdly in that game. I, I know Izzo like really railed against his guys for their lack of fight in that one and deservedly so. Thankfully, they showed up against Purdue. But I don't know. Iowa at home feels like a different beast. I, I, we thought that spread was too high. The Michigan state won at like six and a half or seven. Yep. It turned mm-hmm. out it wasn't this one's 10. It, I think Northwestern is three points worse than Michigan state, maybe more. So I'm kind of thinking Hawkeyes here. Uh, I, that would be my lean. If I had to take a game uh, a side in this one, I, I don't know. Does, does Pete Nance guard Keegan Murray? Kai, does any, can anybody guard it's Keegan it- Murray? I think that's not a terrible matchup. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's actually not a terrible matchup. He seems like one of the few guys that can do it because he is versatile. He's mobile. He's long. Um, you know, it's not the worst matchup in the world for him. They're both 6'10 or whatever they are. Uh, Northwestern, three league road wins outright. One of them was against Michigan State without Nance. But I, I don't know. I, Iowa at home is a lot. They're the best ball handling team in the conference. Northwestern, by the way, guys, passed Iowa defensively in turnover rate. We've talked about how the Big Ten has among the lowest turnover rate in the, in the country. It's not really a huge factor. I don't see North, North Northwestern offense taking advantage of Iowa's so-so defense. Um, I, I agree in the chat. Someone said the over was one of their best plays. I probably lean that way as well. We know Iowa can score at home. Next game, Charleston at Hofstra. Yeah, we put this game in the outline because it's a cool game. Two uh, pretty good teams here from the Colonial. Uh, Charleston, honestly, a flyer I thought that could maybe win the league this year. They didn't Uh, Jim, both these teams are locked in the standings. So from a motivational standpoint, you're not really getting that jostling stuff. Hofstra's I think locked in three. Charles is locked into the six Hofstra won game one by three on the road. Does Charleston do a flip flop here? That means they play again. Correct. So I think they do play again. I think not wanting to show a lot here because if they're both locked into the three, six, that's definitely a quarterfinal game. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, does that help offense or defense? To me, I think maybe there's there's nothing tricky thrown out on either end. I sort of lean towards the over where it's just like a pickup game. It feels like a glorified up and down. Maybe teams aren't really using their best rotations. 
I thought Hofstra, I mean, like they had a chance to maybe get a swing at the conference title and then they got blown out at home by Elon. That was really a disheartening effort for me. So Matt, I don't have a side here because I think it's just tricky to figure out any motivation for either team, uh, especially with the conference tournament on the horizon. Right. I would, I would probably lean towards the over though. Uh, I was leaning Charleston just given that we got John Meeks back last game, uh, I think said 16 points, 22 minutes off the bench. And he's massive for this team. And uh, you just trace John Meeks back to his Bucknell days. I mean, that's like a three, four point player. Um, and we have a pretty large sample to kind of assess his in out impact. However, they're playing their sixth game in 10 days. And um, Kelsey talked about not load management, but just trying to be weary of forcing Meeks back and just managing that workload with the tournament looming. So I would be hesitant to back Charleston, but I do think they are slightly undervalued given that they've been without Meeks the last, what, five or so games. Um, no, no, he's back. No, no, he's back. Saying, no, he's back now, I'm saying, but before he, Delaware, Northeastern, Towson, and he got hurt against James Madison. So I guess the four games prior, he was basically a non-factor. Um, could argue they're a little are a little undervalued because of that. Uh, Charleston had that lead in game one. They led by four in the second half. They just couldn't stop Hofstra inside. It, it, it was easy bucket after easy bucket. Ironically, Charleston won the class battle, despite being the, the lesser team inside. Both teams are super sloppy. I think Charleston, though, is the real sloppy team here with, with Hofstra's ability to turn them over. Number one TO rate in the league. Um, I think that's a problem for them on the road. And Hofstra's not terrible in transition. We know how Charleston loves to run, play among the highest tempos in the country under, under Pat Kelsey. I, I go back and forth here. The spread at five and a half feels pretty right. I tend to think Charleston can hang, but again, Jim, it's a, it's a tough handicap with these teams playing, like, like you said, in a couple of days in the actual conference tournament. There might be a little bit of conservatism here. Yep. Next game, Pac-12, UCLA at Washington. Well, Matt, we know UCLA just beat Oregon State by 39 without John Juzang. I'm curious if he thinks about resting again or if any other guys are on load management. Now, however, UCLA is still in play for this for the two seed in the Pac-12 tournament. So perhaps that doesn't come into play. Washington's pretty locked in, might, might be able to fall a little bit in the standings. And they did get Dejon Davis back last game for the win against Washington State. Who do you lean in this game? Yeah, I was just reading the LA Times article, Kai, where Cronin like continues Lovely. to underscore. Yeah, fine publication out there on the West Coast, La La Land. It talks about the excessive load management he's been doing, uh, eliminating practices, trying to rescue guys. He did also add that Juzang is doubtful for this game, which is a little bit concerning. Um, the line did open way too high. I'm in no way tempted to back Washington at a worse price, Jim. I, I think eight at home is a little bit lofty, just given the way UCLA is kind of limping toward the finish here. Um, I don't know. What are you looking at? I probably would have taken 10. <clears throat> I think I, I would have been in on Washington there. I mean, we remember early in the year, they lost those bye games at home. It was like, okay, Washington's terrible. They've covered six of their last seven at home. They've been a good bet at home in conference play. And now, like you, you know, all the think the concerns you mentioned with Chuzang and UCLA being banged up, I would certainly lean towards Washington. The market has eaten up some of the value, but uh, maybe maybe a smaller play at eight, Kai. Yeah, uh, I mean UCLA destroyed them in the first game uh, without Cody Riley, without Johnny Juzang. I don't know if this is going to be close. Maybe UCLA is just a tough match for Washington, despite them being, hey, they're nine and eight in Pac-12 play. Washington hasn't been terrible, like you said, Jim. Uh, eight feels pretty right. I'd probably stay away. I'm on the fence in this game. Finally, we get to the best game on the slate, guys, because it's a conference tournament game. Loser goes home. Their season's done. 
Forget about it. It's Central Connecticut at Fairleigh Dickinson. Yes, Jim, these are two of the worst teams in the country, like bottom 10, both of them. Uh, both have strange wins. Central Connecticut beat LIU. Fairleigh Dickinson beat Wagner. And they split the season series. Who do you like in this game? Both these teams are babies. There's a ton of freshmen running around out there for both teams. Anquan Hill for Fairleigh Dickinson has really emerged into like a kind of a stud. He, he was instrumental in beating Wagner. Wasn't really a part of the rotation in the non-conference portion of the year, but I think that has definitely uh, started this upward trajectory under Herenda. Matt, he's usually a pretty good developer. Yes. Fairleigh Dickinson does get this at home. I think that's beneficial for them. CCSU has been, I think, worse down the stretch than Fairleigh Dickinson has. So I'm leaning towards the Knights. Herenda's been decent in this event before. I think they're more talented. So that, that would be my lean here. Yeah, I see the line starting to creep up. So Knights, best bet, minus three and a half. If it's still Lock available, it please, please check me. Um, I, yeah, Jim, I think you, you hit the key points there. It's two young teams, but two teams trending in different directions. Uh, shouts to the midrange jumper.com. Uh, Matt, insert, what's his last name? Does phenomenal breakdowns. Yeah, Mark Morrow. Elite breakdowns of the NEC. Um, highlighted the last five games for both teams. Uh, during that span, we've seen Fairleigh Dickinson be extremely competitive with like the top tier squads in that conference. CCSU, on the other hand, uh, surrendering 1.20 points per possession. They have been bludgeoned against um, some like shorthanded, like bad, bad teams. teams. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to the way this team, this FDU team is trending. Greg Horenda always manages his team to gear them up for postseason play. That's just kind of his MO. And with the injuries that, that hit them early, some of the, I guess, internal. Uh, disciplinary crap that they had to deal with. Now they're kind of a by-low, in my opinion. Take the Knights here, man. I'm going to have some postseason action in Best Best, don't we? Oh, yeah. I, I have another quick note on FDU. Brandon Rush was kind of banged up for them. And then against Wagner, he had 36, played 43 minutes in overtime yeah. game. Yeah, he's a stud. And, and he was ridiculous. 16 and 30 minutes last game. Like, he was playing six minutes coming off the bench, and then suddenly that Wagner game was like, ah, I'm healthy again. Here you go. Yeah, FDU is going to have two best players on the floor with Rush and Dunn. Yeah, uh, they're two most talented. This team shouldn't have been this bad this year. Preseason, we thought they'd be kind of middle of the pack. Uh, yep. And you mentioned that their three-game stretch, last three games, Bryant, Wagner, and LIU, they weren't terrible against those games and the three best teams in the conference. Uh, FDU is a better team. Central Connecticut's weirdly scrappy. The only way they're going to hang around here, they do score the highest percentage of their points from three in the NEC. So you can get a really annoying – hot game from them where they stick around 35% from three is the third best in the league. I do think FDU is too talented and it's worth noting this game is at home. It's at FDU. Um, I'm sure one of you said it and I just dozed off, but a lot of tournament games are neutral sites. This one's at FDU. I think that's important. So I agree with you, Matt lean your yeah, way. The only reason that CCSU beat FDU in that first meeting or the second meeting, at second meeting second, in overtime yeah. and over time, they went 11 to 22 from three and FTU was up 15, I think 15. in the first half and blew that lead. So yeah, I have yeah. a lot of points up to you here. I would take the Knights. Fangs gavel. Guy, guy, guys get a sip in right now. I it's love called it. a pregnant pause. He, he's letting that take marinade, Jim, because it was such a phenomenal good, take good, by good. me. So let that uh, I don't. I don't think we have a whole lot more going on in terms of <laughs> chat, chat mob, mob questions. There's not a, there's not a lot we haven't hit. A lot of tourney future questions. Like, are we going to yeah. host that for a separate episode? I don't want to blow our load with. We have so that. many shows coming up on conference tourneys. Uh, yeah. Head trip, 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 trip. Also, they're, they're just kind of starting to come out. So I don't have like mega strong takes, takes on a lot of them. Right yeah, yeah. We're starting to write those up. Uh, the one thing I've taken, if you, if you care at all, was Circa had 
Houston to win the AAC tournament versus the field. I took the field because I think uh, Houston only has three guards. It's going to have to win three games in three days. Might have to play Wichita in that first round, and then you go like Wichita, maybe even Memphis in the second round, and uh, SMU in the finale. So I don't know. I think that's a tough run. I, I, I kind of like that. It was basically even odds. Jim, I'll give another it. one. I'll give, I'll give uh, one more. Uh, okay, Texas okay. Southern. Texas Southern question. Okay. Guys in the chat. Oh, Texas Southern. Uh, they are. What are they doing? Six point favorites to Alcorn, which is the new Prairie View, basically. Um, yeah, it does feel a little high just given how good Alcorn's been. Yeah, I don't I know. Big take Alcorn. here. I do lean Alcorn just on a pure price perspective. There's also a Howard question. South Carolina State. Haven't been more that wrong about a team high, all year but... than Howard. So I'm kind of out on betting that team on or yeah, against. That, that, Kai, you mentioned how Central Connecticut can get hot. Howard is an elite shooting team from three. So yep, they can also they get boiling lava hot and suddenly you're just buried by 20. But I still lean SC State. Just think it's a little high. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's remind the good folks at home of our best bets. Matt, what was yours? Fairly Dickinson, the Knights, the Fighting Greg Horrendas. Let's go, Knights. I've always Night enjoyed up. the Knights logo being a chess knight. It's yeah, just no. fantastic. The Rook. My best bet, Baylor, minus one and a half. Jim. Why, why did Matt just say the Rook? No, there's, there's the like a Rook behind the like the Knight <laughs> and the logo. Like there's almost like they're trying to go Is for it? a full chess. It's just I think there is right. Okay. Like a little castle guy behind the night. Let me check it real quick. I think there is. <laughs> My best bet was Wyoming plus two. I know the chat is relatively aligned with that. So hopefully the Cowboys get it done at altitude tonight. Secure their bid to the NCAA tournament. I can't wait to watch that team in a, in a huge yep. tourney setting because they're just fun. They're unique. They're weird to watch. It's going to be fun, guys. Hey, we're back tomorrow at 12 p.m. Talking more conference tournament games and other games as well. Thank you to Bet Rivers once again, our sponsor. Thanks to Field of 68. Good luck with your bets today. We will see you tomorrow at 12 p.m. Central.